Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren! Yay! She's returned! I know, my child is actually not unhappy. Yay! <laughs> she's sleeping right now, right? Yeah, well, no, no. She's uh, downstairs on the mat with her granny and grandy. And, I'm just uh, being yeah. optimistic. She may be I sleeping. Know. Well, you know, at least she's happy. She's not screaming at the moment. It's a good it's a good day. But now you you get to wish everyone Happy New Year. Happy New Year! I know. Wow, that's weird that I haven't seen you guys in that long. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I've sorry. been flying solo. Flying solo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so welcome to episode 188. We're going to do this as a questions episode because, again, Final Fantasy news has been a bit bad. But there is some news. There mm. is some news. We're going to get onto that after our questions episode, though. We've got a couple of different questions, um, varying topics, so it should be an interesting episode to run through. Lots of feels are going to come back, I have a feeling, based on some of the questions. Maybe, maybe, but we got to try and keep it in, keep it in. Yes. All right, so for you new folks who are listening to Final Fantasy Union for the first time, this is, of course, a podcast that's part of Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come out on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com. And we're now going to do our Patreon shoutouts. So this is for everyone who has pledged $2.50 or more per episode. Starting with Lewis James. Nahi Kablawi. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Chris Morales. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Massacre 23. Zach Duranto at Z Duranto 58. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop 181. Mohammed Kayum. Rachel Casterton at Urbion Ray. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster 73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Billy Jackson at Unscore Billy Jackson. Mike. Ishbel Ayala at Red Peppers. Vitanitas. Rob Porter at Squirty Bertie One. Tobias Cappy at The Tobias Cappy. Tori Patrick. Miles Ribbons. David Cowro. Moki Syaseth at Mokimon S. And Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namejin. And we also have a new Patreon supporter this episode, Nathan Summers. Welcome to the gang. Welcome. So, as mentioned, we're going to have a questions episode this time around. And uh, we've got a, a wide variety of questions from many of the franchise's uh, histor- historical moments, I guess, to from older ones up to more recent ones. And we're going to start things off with a question from Rachel on Discord. And she said, or she asked, more specifically, seeing as Final Fantasy VIII's 20th birthday is coming up, what were your thoughts when you first played the game? Well, Final Fantasy VIII is my first game, my first uh, Final Fantasy game specifically. So I was really sort of excited to play it and um, really um, confused and lost and you know like when I um, when I first started off I, ha- I hadn't played a JRPG before so I had sort of no clue what to expect as far as JRPG games go I mean I was playing like Tony Hawk Pro Skater and um, I was playing like Crush Bandicoot and basically everything other than JRPG but you had played Final Fantasy 10 briefly right no, 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 no. At this point, I, I strictly only played, um, I hadn't played any anything, no JRPGs whatsoever. So it was like a completely new experience for me. And I stumbled through a bit. <laughs> I, um, I, I, you know, when you, when you play a new type of game, it's, it's very, it's very sort of, um, weird especially when you come from like a platformer background. It's it's just a completely different experience. 
but um, it was exciting. It was fun. I, I loved it in the end. Um, and it really sort of sold me on Final Fantasy in general. So, yeah, I guess you came from just a point of not really knowing anything. No. So did you play it from the beginning? Yeah. Straight up? Yeah. Because I know that with Final Fantasy X, obviously, you didn't have that experience. No, no, no. But um, Final Fantasy VIII, I was introduced to it by my brother. I watched him play at his house once, which is when I saw the Dalit mission with uh, Quistus. And then um, I went to Sam Goody one day, and I saw a copy of Final Fantasy VIII, and I recognized the characters, and I was just like, I'll pick it up, and I'll give it a go. And yeah, that was basically that's basically it. I I hadn't had any anything. I was a newborn newborn baby. Were you under ten? I think I might have been ten or eleven or so. So it probably I understand what that's probably the junction system was just. Oh, it was lost on me. I did have any clue what I was doing. I had no friends who were playing the same game as me as well. So I had to, I just was going in completely blind. And it wasn't until like a couple years ago that I actually played Final Fantasy VIII properly, um, like sort of used a guide and made sure I did everything. Um, yeah, that was that that was an experience because <laughs> I, I kind of um, I went back after that. I I went to Final Fantasy VII and then I went to X and then nine and all that stuff. And um, yeah, now now we're here. Yeah, my experience was very different to mm-hmm. that, which I guess you'd expect. Um, I'd obviously played Final Fantasy VII, not too dissimilar to you. Like I'd, mm. I'd watched my next door neighbor play it, and then I was able to get it myself and start playing it. Final Fantasy VIII was therefore kind of the first one where I knew I already knew what Final Fantasy was. I'd got the demo from official PlayStation magazine. I'd be playing it, but I had no idea when the game was actually coming out, mm. which is, I guess, really weird to think about now. Like, mm-hmm. I'd I'd even bought a magazine specifically around the game. I'd play the demo, but I had no idea when it was coming out. It's and- before the age of advertising that just keeps popping up at you on the internet. Yeah, like I just, it's really weird to think about back then. But like, it was, the, I'd say it was the first game that I was actually anticipating mm-hmm. that I didn't just walk into the shop and say, okay, I want that. Yeah. It was the first time where I was, I was looking forward to a game. I just had no idea when it was coming out. Now, did you play, did you play a JRPG like in the meantime? Like, did you play any other JRPG at that time? No. So Final Fantasy was also your first JRPG too? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. I'd say it was also, um, I'm, I still get really blurred in terms of what isn't an RPG and I don't know. Did I play any other RPGs like around Star that time? Like Star Ocean or anything? No, I... No. Yeah. No, just RPGs had never really... I guess like the adventure games, like mm-hmm. point-and-click adventures are like really loose, basic RPGs. Yeah, but, but not... But there's not no leveling system or anything like that. It's just no. your... I don't know. Yeah, I never really... I guess, like for me, maybe you could count like Zelda. Like I, I did play. That's a an action bit of RPG, Zelda. yeah. Zelda, 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 Zelda. I did play like a little bit of Zelda, but like that, that is like, yeah, that's the closest thing I probably played before. I'd have to really think about it and actually go through the games that I used to play when I was a kid. But I, I don't think I played any RPGs. No, I think mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII was the first one I'd ever played. Yeah. Um, I did delve into others. After that, I did play a game called Silver, mm-hmm. which was a Western RPG, but I didn't really get on with that. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy VIII, I, it came out. I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. My friend uh, came around my house and he was like, you know Final Fantasy VIII's out, right? And I was like, what? 
<laughs> How I dare think, you I deceive think it, me? I think it had been out for like two weeks or something. And I just, I think I've said on the podcast before, but I just like literally got on my bike and rode to the store as fast as I could. <laughs> Picked it up, came home and just, I, I don't think my parents probably saw me for about a week. Mm. I remember I was, I was having to go to school, but as soon as I came home from school, I basically just locked myself in my room. Yeah. And I think I did, I think I did finish it in about a week and a week and a half or something like that. And I just was absolutely kind of blown away by it. Because compared to Final Fantasy Eight, um, compared to Final Fantasy Seven, it's so different graphically and everything. Yeah, and the story was also very, very developed. Um, I think, pretty sure it was the first time I'd ever kind of cried at anything entertainment <laughs> medium. Like I don't even remember crying at Disney films or anything like that. But well, the the eyes on me scene in the in the aww. Ragnarok just kind of it just hit me. Oh, right I mean, in like that. yeah, the opening as well just grips you. That was really intense. Yeah. Like I remember it's being the, like, the, "Whoa!" The juxtaposition between that really intense opening and then just kind of go—it just you have that kind of musical pan where it just goes like, "Ding," and yeah. then it goes, the screen goes white, and then you just wake up in the, in the infirmary and it's like really chill. Yeah. And you're just like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Like the, I think the opening kind of cadences of the game were very much like that. It was like intense, chill, intense, mm. chill, and they just kept going on that vibe because yeah. they're like. They managed to work in like the kooky style into everything so that things didn't stay intense for too long because even with the whole Timber mission, mm-hmm. like Renoa, Zone and Watt are just so ridiculous. Yeah. But you're also kidnapping a president and trying to assassinate him and then he turns <laughs> into a zombie. And like all this random stuff is Which happening. Which is great for like an 11 year old. <laughs> it explains why you were so petrified at that moment. I know. Uh, no, I was. I, I was terrified and that's probably the first time in a game that i actually had something that was scary as well because like games before then i just they they just weren't scary there wasn't that fearful thing yeah i mean final fantasy 7 kind of had like i mean lost number looks a bit weird like there were some weird enemies there were a lot of scary things so it didn't really bother me too much but Mm -hmm. but anyways i yeah my first thought when playing it was just wow Mm. like i was just so enthused and i said the Final Fantasy VII music, like thinking back now, I remember it probably more than any other game, and I think it's the one that resonates with people the most. Perhaps doesn't resonate with me in the same ways as other people because I had a different experience to other people. But Final Fantasy VIII, um, I wouldn't say as a whole the soundtrack is as good, but there are individual moments within that soundtrack that are just really, it just really gripping. Mm-hmm. And it was Final Fantasy VII. Although the music was great and everything, it didn't draw my attention in the same way as Final Fantasy VIII did. So, yeah. there for me, there were it, it influenced me in multiple ways, just in my thoughts. Because obviously, the Dalit mission is right at the beginning of the game. Yeah, the music in that, the landing is so good. Like the whole build up to that mission, like the the cutscene going over the sea and the moon, and like there's just so many elements at the beginning of that game that are just so good. It's interesting as well to sort of think of um, what game you played first and what sort of defines your quintessential Final Fantasy protagonist. Because, like, if you think about if you started with like six and you had like Locke ten protagonists, and stuff, well, you had like Locke and stuff who's really happy go lucky. Like, you're probably more inclined to go along with like a Zidane type of um, protagonist. Whereas if you started with like seven or eight. Like your quintessential Final Fantasy protagonist is one that's angsty and 
keeps to themselves but has a heart of gold and that type of thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's interesting to think about, like, where you start and what you sort of feel a Final Fantasy character, sh- I a mean, Final Fantasy protagonist should be. From what we've seen on our channel, Squall definitely resonated with people who were playing that game for the first time in their teenage years. Yeah. And I'd say that Titus, um, he is a more of a mature character Mm -hmm. not in the sense that he's actually mature but i think understanding him requires more maturity yeah to figure out like what he's going through why he's behaving the way he is because if you don't have that kind of wider experience to interpret everything that's going on he comes across as probably the biggest brat protagonist Mm -hmm. we've ever seen Mm -hmm. and i think it's why there's a lot of people that dislike him because maybe you know if you were playing final fantasy 10 when you were like 11 or 12 you just think he was just a spoiled kid and you wouldn't mm-hmm. understand really the reasons why he was behaving that way because you don't understand the reasons why you're behaving that way in reality either. Or I just thought, wow, he's cute. That's a different interpretation. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you for... <laughs> <laughs> well, I went from I went from Squall to like Zidane who has a tail and that's a bit of a boner killer. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, that's, a bit of a, that's staying in, that's Lawrence. I, you're, you know, you're, yeah. you're on fire right but now. But then, but then you had Titus, carry on, carry on. Titus, who is like a sports player. But anyway, and then you had Vaughn. Vaughn had his abs as oh, well. God, you know? Vaughn, uh, the abs of steel. I know, Lauren. I know. It's a bit like looking at a baby with a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, no, uh, getting completely yeah, off topic. So, but, I mean, yeah. we could talk about Final Fantasy VIII all day. I think. And we might be. And yeah, I think obviously uh, Rachel mentioned that the 20th anniversary is coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, We're actually going to not, not next up. So we're actually going to be recording back to back. So we've, we're doing Final Fantasy Union next, uh, next week Mm -hmm. because the Kingdom Hearts Union guys want to just take a bit of a lull before Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out. Yeah. They got a big, big day coming up. But when we come back, we are going to do a Final Fantasy 8 special episode where we're going to talk about Final Fantasy 8 all day. Yeah. Every day, because it's great. Yeah. Um, okay, so our next question, Lauren, do you want to take this one? Sure. This one is from FF Mosley on Twitter, who asks, I'm thinking about getting Type 0 on PS4. What do you think? What do we think? I would say, yes, get it. <laughs> um, but I'd say that it's obviously not going to be your quintessential Final Fantasy experience. Mm-hmm. You have to really, and this sounds bad as a, as a precursor, but you have to set your expectations around what it is you're trying to get out of it because it's not a PS4 game. It is a PSP game that they very, I mean, they did a really good job in making it not look like a PSP game, but yeah. it still has that kind of the way the game is structured. Um, How you have to grind and stuff. Like exactly. it's very based around having a console on you at all times, essentially. And also kind of playing in short, sharp bursts which if they did actually port it to the ps vita would have been fine but yes but they chose not to yeah which is kind of understandable now considering the fact that they just killed the vita but yeah so yeah yeah, i mean like it's it's a very different type of experience um i'd say it's more akin to crisis core but not with the same um development of story like it's done in a very different way because obviously you don't have necessarily a main cast uh, in the same way like you don't have a single protagonist so now there's the whole of class zero that each have their own individual story developments but you've got machina and rem on top of that 
Um, obviously, there is the shared mythology with Fabulon over Crystallis. That kind of it's probably the game that is most faithful to that mythology. Mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, There's the story... also like no nostalgia, really. Like if you think about the other handheld games, a lot of them have been built around nostalgia or built around another game. Because you have like Resonant uh, Revenant Wings, which is Final Fantasy XII, obviously, and then you have um, all the sort of like after years and tactics tactics like all of them kind of have something that you can kind of latch on to whereas type zero literally has like almost none of that except for maybe moogles and the fabian over crystallis yeah so there is a connection there with final fantasy 13 with the uh, sea and falsi and but all don't that stuff, expect but... to like see lightning coming out of the woodworks anywhere no it's a very different interpretation of what that mythology means um and it was probably I mean, obviously, Final Fantasy games have adult themes in them, but this one was probably the most adult mm-hmm. out there. I loved it. I think, I think if you are a traditional like sort of JRPG fan, like in terms of fans of the story and that type of thing, I think that the story of Type Zero is is it takes a bit of time to get going, but once it gets going, it's really good. It's really intense. Um, it's very military based, which is something that Tabata is kind of known for. That's kind of what his sort of bread and butter type of storyline is. He has said in the past that he does want to make a military simulator. Yep. And, uh, he does do some military simulating in this game as well. That's probably one of the worst aspects of it. (laughs) Yeah. But we'll ignore that. But honestly, like I, this is another game where I actually cried at the end because it is... It is really emotional. I mean, these characters are really are really cool. Like a lot of them are really really interesting um of the class zero and you do get to the point where you just feel really attached to even the wider cast and um I can sort of uh, I can sort of compare it to Nier in a way because you have missions that you have to complete and the way that you get more of the story out of the side characters is by doing more of the side missions they also had a thing in there about multiple playthroughs and understanding more of the story through that Mm -hmm. um this is going to sound a bit weird as well but it's kind of like a, a slightly better final fantasy 15 in the sense that i know that one of the biggest complaints about 15 is that the game has such good lore and they just didn't represent it very well Mm -hmm. I feel like Type Zero has a similar problem. Um, it has like really deep, fantastic lore. Like when you actually understand everything that happens in the world and why it's happening and the relationships between all of the characters, it's great. But it, it's it just seems as though that's been a a weird thing that's been happening with Final Fantasy because Thirteen is exactly the same. Yeah, I still remember when we did our one year review of Final Fantasy mm-hmm. 13 and we actually looked into and read the story, looked through all the data logs and we were just like, wow, this is actually really, really good. Yeah. Why did we not see this in the game? Yeah, I know. They only just like scratched the surface of what's going on. And Type Zero, I think, is is very similar to that. Like the, But I think the, the difference is that you don't really have to, like if you want to delve into all of that, then great. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just so many unique elements around it that like how how the game deals with death for example mm-hmm. is is so unique the the way that they actually used the lassie uh was also really interesting compared to how we saw it in final fantasy 13 i love the leveling up system in the sense that you can uh leave you can them glitch it. to 
Well, you can gr- yeah, you can glitch it, but you can also just grind. Um, there's an arena where you can uh, submit your characters to grind while you're gone, and it's all time based. So you can glitch it on your PS4 and like level them up in like, you know, a an hour's worth of just finagling with the PS4 cam, uh, the PS4 uh, time. Um, yeah, you can do that, but like. It's still a really nice system because it just allows you to keep on playing and it doesn't it doesn't have you get stuck as much. Now, I know uh, obviously there was a very, very long discussion around this particular point on Twitter. And one of the things that was brought up was the gameplay. And I think in that regard, Type Zero is very unique because mm-hmm. there are so many different characters to play as. And the chances are that you're not going to get on with all of them. But you will find certain characters that you do just resonate with. For me, I really enjoyed playing as King, but I also really enjoyed playing as Jack once I understood how he worked as a mechanic, like mechanically. But I also, I think you did the same. Like we, we figured out that Deuce is ridiculously broken. Yeah. Like she's just a massive troll. Yeah, yeah. Because you can just you can just literally have her stand there and do her buffs, and you're invincible essentially. But yeah, like it's really about finding the characters that suit your playstyle because mm-hmm. there's so many variations. I really liked Ace. Like Ace was probably my go-to because I I just like ranged characters. That's just me. I like to just zoom in, like sort of. <laughs> Um, trash someone and then just like sort of warp away that that's my play style I just like to get in there get my hands dirty and then run away um so he was really good for me um another one was uh oh, oh, oh um what's the name of the one what's the name of the girl who uh is also ranged um there's Kater Cater, that's it. Cater, Cater was my other one that I really liked but I think that's the thing like whenever I've discussed this kind of stuff with other people Generally, there's like three characters that people like are their go-tos. And it's rare that you'll find someone else that has the same character set that yeah. you enjoyed because yeah. there's such variety. And I think that's the one of the the really good things about it. Yeah, sure, the gameplay is not necessarily what you'd expect from a PlayStation 4 title because it was designed for the PlayStation Portable. And they did their best to try and upscale it. But I didn't ever really have any problems with it. It was... What I liked about the gameplay was that it was kind of like a Dark Souls system where it was a skill-based reward system. Like, mm-hmm. sure, you could do missions that were level 30 or 40 when you were only level 10 or 15. It would be very hard. But if you were good enough, you could still make your way through the experience and get stuff early if you wanted to. Like, it wasn't that you that the game was impossible. It was if you were a good enough skill skill-based character, you could understand your character's mechanics to the point where... You could do chip damage, you could just not take damage at all yourself, then you could still achieve success, which I thought was a really nice thing about it. It was obviously very bad as well because mm. it kind of gave you that little glimpse that you can do this, yeah. keep going, keep going, when you don't really need to. But it was just that nice kind of... It. I like it when games have that skill-based reward system. And obviously it was kind of a precursor to Final Fantasy XV's battle system as well. So if you enjoyed that, then there you go. Sing, um, sorry, 7 and... Sorry, Seven and Sice were also really good ones. I loved, I loved the fact that Seven had this big whip thing that you could just, I know, I'm sure there's probably a word for the type of weapon that she uses, but I'm going to call it a whip. And, um, but Sice's uh, sort of combinations just look really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's really good about Type-0's gameplay, in my opinion. 
Okay, so hopefully that answers your question. Uh, we're going to go on to our next question now, which is uh, from Sayo on Discord. And uh, he wanted to know, other than Final Fantasy, what are your favorite RPGs and why? I mean, I'm going to sound really basic with the uh, Japanese RPGs in particular, because I, I've i explored a few JRPGs, but I feel like I'm not necessarily that... Um, that Oh, what's the word? Just well-versed. Sort of well-versed, yeah, in uh, JRPGs. Because um, I've tried games like um, the Tales series I've tried, and I've tried some Star Ocean and that type of thing. But um, I think the one that I've, I've felt closest to with um, when compared to Final Fantasy is Persona. Um, oh, that's so basic. I know. I've really liked the Persona series. I think it does really well to uh, grip you in as far as story and the gameplay is also um, just as fun, if not more. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think if you're a Final Fantasy fan and you haven't tried a Persona game yet, I think that that is probably the closest. That's sort me. Of, that's me. Yeah, I haven't played a Persona game. A, that's probably the closest that you're going to get as far as um, comparable experiences. Have you played... So you, you mentioned Tales, Persona. Um, Star Ocean. Nier is a JRPG. Nier is, yeah, Nier is technically a JRPG. I was thinking like more turn-based sort of like gameplay that's similar to final fantasy it's rpgs in general here but yeah rpgs it in doesn't general. have to necessarily be restricted <laughs> to uh, japanese games okay. either well rpgs in general i mean i'm i'm quite versatile i i don't mind a lot of stuff like i i'm quite happy to pick up like a fallout western rpg um i love mass effect uh i love near like i'm I like hunting for things. I like um, I like the side missions. I like a lot of lore and stuff. Um, the only thing that stresses me out is just when it's a lot, which is generally what it is with Skyrim. Because I, um, although I love to play games to death, I also have to be conscious of the fact that I don't want to get too absorbed in because I don't actually have the time to get absorbed in anymore. You know, it's it's hard. But yeah, I'm I'm generally okay with as long as it has a good story and it's fun to play, I'm okay. I I guess as you kind of gleaned earlier, I've never really been a massive RPG fan, oddly enough. Mm. Final Fantasy's been kind of my go-to one. Uh I've not really ventured too much outside of that. I did have to play a lot when I used to do reviews. Mm. But none of them ever really gripped me that well. Um Well, Mass Effect definitely. Well, I meant like more JRPGs. Okay. I've done the same thing as you. Yeah, you did. Because <laughs> the go-to. Um, I did play just the original Disgaea. I enjoyed that. But I also, I just didn't really feel like the 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 latter games would grip me as well because they just seemed very samey. And I know that's kind of the, the charm of the, these, the Nice games. And it's the same with the Dynasty Warriors games as well. Like, it's that kind of, they are similar. So if you like one, you should like the other. But I think with the Disgaea games, I don't know, I just... I felt like they needed too much of a time investment. Yeah, I did enjoy the exactly. first one, but just not enough to kind of pick up any more. Um, just looking over my games cabinet, I don't really own, we don't really own any RPGs. Well, but I'd say one of the ones that I did enjoy, but never enjoyed to the point of wanting to finish it was Valkyria Chronicles. Mm. I played that when it came out on the PlayStation 3 because that was one of the first RPG RPGs that did come out, or RPGs in general that came out. And it did look gorgeous. I just, I got to a point where... I just couldn't progress and I didn't care enough to <laughs> progress. Yeah, I know how that feels. But really, we have just played an 
uh, sort of action RPG with uh, Vampire. Yeah, Vampire is an action RPG. And that RPG. actually, I, I would recommend that. Um, I think, like, there there's... There's well, I mean, good, it doesn't do a lot of things like it doesn't do everything really well, but I think there's a good basis there. And I think it still is fun. I it's it's hard because I these days, many games are classified as RPG, like even Horizon is classified as an RPG yeah. because there are leveling up elements to it. Yeah. I don't really classify them as RPGs as such, though. But I think I think Vampire is quite RPG. Because it is your own experience, isn't it? You're, yeah, you're I guess it's just role. the whole thing of like... You can choose which way you want to go. Western RPGs versus Japanese RPGs. Mm-hmm. And like Mass Effect is, I guess, the only real Western RPG that has really drawn me in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, like, because I played... Um, I played Skyrim. I really, I get, I, and Mass Effect, um, sorry, Fallout. I get into them to a point and then I just get bored. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like to play them to death, but that's to a fault. Because <laughs> like we both, well, kind of, but you did the same thing. You trust, you started playing Skyrim and just stopped as well. Yeah. Well, if something else comes along, I am very much the epitome of that mem where the guy is looking at something else, not his girlfriend. Yeah. Like that, that's me. Cause yeah. Like with Vampire, we're trying to platinum it at the moment. And I'm just like, Kingdom Hearts 3 is on her horizon. I really have to finish this before I get Kingdom Hearts 3 because otherwise I'm not touching it again, you know? Not listing that as one of your favorite RPGs. <sighs> Which one? Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, duh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, Kingdom Hearts is definitely definitely up there. I think they've done really well with the gameplay and I'm so excited for Kingdom Hearts 3. That's going to be epic. Yeah, I'd have to, like, this probably sounds really bad considering we should have done this beforehand, but I'd have to actually look into what games I've played and what was classified as an RPG, but I'd say yeah, um, Mass Effect is my, well, Mass Effect 1 and 2 mm. were, were good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, we, we're not really massive RPG players, like Japanese RPG players mm. or Western RPGs. You've, I'd say that you've been doing it more recently because mm. you did Fallout 4. Yeah, um, I'm really into like I, I'm really getting into it with that. I did just play Shemmy 1 and 2 as well. You did. Which are great. And you love Shemmy. Yeah, I do. Uh, okay, so our next question, Lauren, is... Armadeus asks on Discord, outside of Final Fantasy VII, what games would you like to see remade and which ones do you think would benefit from a remake? I... I think I'm going to go back to what I said years ago. Mm. I don't think any of them need to be remade. Mm-hmm. I think that the majority of them are fine the way they are. Like, even the older games, um, like Final Fantasy 1 through 6, like, they are, they, like, they are what they are, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't, am what I am. I don't really see the need to, to remake them other than to just kind of make some more cash and make it appeal to a new audience in some way or other. But it just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't really, because, I, I mean, yeah, I just don't really see the benefit. Like, Final Fantasy 8, I'd say is the one that maybe they could do it and do a really good job with, but mm-hmm. like still, it's not bad. Like I understand that if you're a younger person and you're going into it thinking, okay, well, this doesn't look anything like Horizon does or mm-hmm. or Red Dead Redemption Two, but is that really going to be your expectation going back and playing an older game? It's a shame that we've just gotten to that point though, because I remember back in the day, like not caring even remotely going back, because I I had to play Final Fantasy Seven after i'd already played like the newer games and i didn't care i didn't care that it was it was like different looking like i just i don't know i have a feeling that this is kind of like a a misconception of current 
generation people because I mean we've even gone back in certain in certain regards considering the fact that some games go back to the 16-bit style and people just don't care it's just a bit crisper I mean what I would say it's kind of like with the movies right they're just constantly remaking older films and Mm -hmm. I I would rather they just focus on making new films yeah because if people want to watch the old film they'll go and watch the old film if people Maybe. want to play, it's what Namura said about the Seven remake, right? Yeah. If you want to play Final Fantasy Seven, you go and play Final Fantasy Seven. If you want to play the remake, you play the remake. Like they're two very different things, but they 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 shouldn't be though. And I think this is the kind of the the thing with the remake versus re- whatever. Because if you look at Metal Gear Solid, they did the Twin Snakes on the GameCube. They it's, it's pretty much exactly the same game. They just added a few newer, more modern gameplay tweaks that they'd done in Metal Gear Solid Two. Mm-hmm. But even like. I know this is going to sound really, like, bad, but, like, even if they just sort of used the same concepts and just regurgitated the same the same similar type of story, like, same sort of um, equation as far as the story goes, maybe improved certain things about it and uh, had different characters and stuff, like, basically reskinned it but made it better. Like they used to. I think that that would be fine. Like, I mean, if you think about it with films, Digimon, uh, the movie, and Summer Wars have pretty much the exact same, well, at least one part of Digimon, the movie, and Summer Wars have pretty much the identical story, like, completely. And nobody cares. People love both. Yeah. It's, it like, it may sound like it's, it's sort of um, cashing out, but, like, if you like it, what does it matter? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really see the need for them to do it other than to just make some quick cash. But based on how everything's going, it's probably... I mean, it's going to make them a load of money. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess you'd look at Rockstar. Mm-hmm. That's no, pretty much the same game over and over again, just different But, like, no one's settings. asking them to remake Grand Theft Auto 1. No. Like, no. no one cares, even though that was what started everything. Yeah. Like, no one's asking them to because GTA 3 was what GTA 1 would be if it was made at that time. Mm. Like, that's how it should go. Yeah. Like, you don't need to go back and make the old one. You just make a new one. Yeah. Yeah, just make a new experience. Right. So our last question is from Squirty Bertie on Discord who says, Do you think Final Fantasy lost its eminence when they gave up on the ATB style? And do you think they will ever reintroduce turn-based battles? I don't know. I don't think that they will go back, honestly. Like, I mean... Unless, of course, uh, the other directors are more a fan of the turn-based system. I mean, you have Yoshida, who is very much about. Um, well, I don't. I don't really know. I, I guess with um, the online stuff, he has a very specific style. I don't really know what his preference would be because he just kind of jumped into Final Fantasy fourteen. But I know Nomura is very action RPG focused. Tabata was very action RPG focused. Kitaze is very action rpg focused even though he's a producer but he he likes the he prefers the action rpg oh yeah because they tried to make dota cerberus like a first person yeah yeah like he's very much he's very much about that so the visionaries of square enix at the moment pretty much are action rpg with the exception of maybe toriyama and um ito um i can't think of i mean you have um well even toriyama because uh, the whoever the battle director i can't remember the name you also have hiroki chiba who is probably more turn-based but it does it does definitely seem like turn-based is going by the wayside in favor of something that is more of a 
Western I think they, RPG they type for thing. some reason, I don't really understand why, but they felt that the games needed to be more gripping. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, so um, the Final Fantasy subreddit, shout out if you're listening, um, they just did a, uh, a an analysis uh, of like what everyone thinks about stuff. And the gameplay system that people liked the most was 10, mm-hmm. which is the slowest probably mm-hmm. of all of them because it was just fun yeah it's my favorite i i really preferred that system it was so easy to use and yeah i mean ten two was a great interpretation of the atb system with regards to fast-paced stuff mm. i just don't yeah i mean my i think the games would sell no matter what gameplay system they incorporated because we saw that with our server on final fantasy 15 people didn't really care if it was action or not if anything, it confused people mm. because, like, no one really knew what tricks. No one, and that's the thing. The, the we've talked about it before, but the franchise has kind of lost its identity in that regard now because no one knows what it is. No, is it a turn-based RPG? Is it an action RPG? Really, Final Fantasy Fifteen could be a spin-off based on how it is because it has very little in relation to anything that's come before. Yeah, like it would be great if they could go back to it and have the confidence. And I think that's the thing they lost. They've just lost their confidence. There's mm. no. There's no... Because Hiroyuki Ito disappeared, mm-hmm. which we talked about in the last episode, um, there's no direction. No. Like, he was involved with the battle systems from Final Fantasy IV until twelve, So there was a clear direction in terms of the way they were going. The only one he wasn't involved in was uh, ten and eleven, But eleven used the ATP system as base. Ten obviously was very much conditional turn-based, so that was looking back to Final Fantasy 1, 2, and 3 and making that better. But there was still consistency there. Yeah. Final Fantasy XII was obviously his interpretation of what he wanted the next iteration to be. But then Final Fantasy Thirteen he wasn't involved in. Mm-hmm. But it was still like an ATB interpretation, but then more yeah. action-based. Final Fantasy XIV is then like eleven. Final Fantasy Fifteen is just whatever the hell they wanted to do. Yeah. Because they got forced down that route by Nomura. Yeah. I still don't know what would have happened if Final Fantasy Fifteen was still versus Thirteen, and they and they decided okay. It's just going to be do a we, spin-off. Yeah, like, do we iterate on Final Fantasy 13s, 12s, or 10s? Because that would be their choices. Mm-hmm. But now, because they've done this, I feel as though, yeah, action is where they kind of feel like they need to stick. Mm-hmm. Because they'll be, they won't, they won't have the confidence to go back to action, or mm-hmm. non-action. But then, I guess they just, look at Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest still sells bucket loads, and that's, yeah. like, the most turn-based, turn-based system you're ever <gasps> going to see. That's another one, Dragon Quest. I've played Dragon Quest. Yay! <laughs> So yeah, I, I mean, I would, I hope they go back to it. I hope they do, but I yeah. feel like games like Lost Sphere and um, those kind of games will maybe have knocked their confidence a bit. Octopath yeah. may have like re- brought a bit back, but, but they probably would just focus on that as that. And I mean, Seven Remake Fantasy. is going to be action based. That's going to sell a load, uh, and that's going to then convince them that that's the way forward. I'm sure. Yeah. Ultimately, they want to try and get the most they the most bang for their buck, and they want to reach the most amount of players with their biggest franchise and so that's why i think that they'll stick with what they have so uh yes hopefully that answers all your questions in yes. great detail and you enjoyed the discussions because yes. now we're going to move on to some news very quickly mm. so our first piece of news is around episode arden the, the prologue animated uh little thing i don't know how long it's going to be i don't know but, but that's going to come out in february yeah. uh, ahead of episode arden or uh, the dlc in march i just hope that uh matthew mercer is getting the royalties because they're using his image yeah it does look essentially very, very influenced by <laughs> by matt mercer yep 
um, so yeah, the whole point obviously is episode Arden with the prologue as well is to give more backstory around the protagonist or mm. the antagonist. Sorry, yeah, mm. mm. um, that was an unfortunate <laughs> slip, or was it? Oh. Um, we also now have release dates for the 1010 HD remaster and the Zodiac Cage on the Switch and Xbox One. Mm-hmm. They will be coming out in April, but I don't think they've released any. Uh, well, I don't think I've announced any release dates for the other games as part of that kind of sweep of bringing things to everything. Final Fantasy Ten just has to go on everything, every system ever. Yeah, every Pretty system ever. Pretty soon it's going to be on iPhone. It's I think, yet. well, I mean, I using that streaming system, maybe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, and then the City NT is having its first anniversary. There's going to be an update on the 24th of January. And there's also speculation going around that they are going to announce the final character soon as as Square Villiers as well. As you know, they Square make, Villiers? It's a new character. I've just made him up. <laughs> it's a combination. That's how important Snow is to He's Square. Be Square Enix. He's taking over the company, whether you guys yeah. like it or not. He's just going to be in the Square logo. The Square logo has his face and Snow's body. Where did I even get that? I don't, I don't know. know, but it's um, fine. But yeah, so the speculation is that he's going to be announced as the uh, last DLC character. And then who knows what's going to happen after that? Mm. Obviously, there was the speculation based on the leak that there's going to be a second season pass. But we don't know what they're going to do with the game because clearly it's still floundering a little bit. Kenny the Crow. Kenny the Crow DLC. Um, so yeah, that is all the news. It's pretty pretty basic. So we're now going to go on to our music announcement segment thing, which is uh, going to be around a lovely arrangement of Suteki Dane mm. by Dale North. It is very pretty. It's uh, it's it's very soft, it's calming. Very 90s ballad, I think. Very, very calming. Um, yeah, so outro time. We mentioned uh, during the episode that our next episode is actually going to be next week, 29th of January. We are skipping our kind of bi-weekly schedule because Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming up. So the Kingdom Hearts guys wanted to release their episode on the 5th of February instead. Um, but obviously, if you subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on iTunes, you will get notified whenever we release a new episode. If you just search Final Fantasy, we come up as the top podcast still, I think. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can catch all our episodes at FinalFantasyUnion.com as well as all our news coverage. And if you really enjoy what we do, feel free to support us at Patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. And with that, it's time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.
Touch of me. 